Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to episode five. It's been an interesting few weeks as Mother Nature has flexed her muscles and a good portion of the country has been struggling to find any sense of normalcy. Pizza sales continue to be strong for the most part, although some of us are starting to see some trends that we're just not really liking and haven't seen for quite a long time. It's a great time to start looking at our operations. Make sure that product, service, and image are where we need them to be. If they're not, and you're looking for better results, then this is the episode for you. I'm Sam with Fowser Consulting. And I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. We're here with episode five. We're going to spend a good portion of the episode today talking about setting expectations so that our teams can perform at the levels we want them to. Drew, how you been, man? Where you been? Man, I'm, I'm awesome, Sam. You had mentioned the weather and it moved my schedule around some this week. So I am actually home for this fabulous podcast recording. Speaking of the weather, I think you were in the heart of the winter wonderland of Texas, weren't you? Yes, I was. I started it in Midland with freezing fog. And then after all of the power outages, I was like, let's go to Houston and work with Mac Pizza, where there's no water, no eggs, no bread. And HEB has a two brisket per person limit. Sounds like a lot of fun down there in uh, the heart of Texas. I got to be honest, it actually was. To see the team members in Midland fighting through monster sales because ice and snow in Texas with cold and, and how they handled it. And then to get to Houston after everything and see how they were were handling it, whether it was making sure stores had product or just that team members were able to actually work and not think about what was going on at home. It was awesome to see the two organizations fight through it. Oh, that's just great. What have you been up to, Sam? You know, I just got done spending a couple of days in Ohio and a couple of days in Kentucky with Chris Short's organization. We did four single day workshops that talked all about leadership. And much like today's episode, we spent a lot of time talking about expectations and we spent a lot of time talking about the importance of giving full-fledged expectations. Chris Short has just been a fantastic supporter of the things I've done. He's been a great client for about four years now, and I always look forward to seeing his guys. So that was a good time. I'll be out to see him next month to uh, train his supervisors. Nice. He's got uh, he's got a good group of supervisors. I think you're going to be really impressed with the things Chris is getting done and his team are getting done. And I'm sure they will enjoy the better than yesterday system that you've got for them. Hey, you know, the other thing that is on my mind, other than expectations, I just got an email from Podbean, and that's where we host our podcast. And we got this this sticker because we had surpassed 1,000 downloads. I'm just really grateful to the listeners out there that you're finding some value in what Drew and I are doing, and people are sharing it, and people are giving us comments. Now, I'm not going to speak for Drew, but it means the world to me, and I want to just thank you all out there for that. I'm in that same boat. It's absolutely incredible. I want to make sure the listeners know this isn't us trying to brag or say, oh my gosh, look at us. This is us saying, thank you so much for supporting what we're doing. One of the things that gets me out of bed in the morning is helping people that want to be better at this Domino's pizza game. So the fact that we've had 1,261 downloads as of this recording, this really makes me feel great. And again, thank you so much to the listeners. We really 
really appreciate it. I am nearly speechless from the fact that almost 1,300 of you have wanted to listen to our four episodes. And now episode five is going to be so cool. And then episode six, well, that's just craziness. Yeah. Episode six, let me just give you what might be called a teaser. I met this guy in 2003 at the International Trainers Conference, and he had brought a couple of his team members to Florida for the Trainers Conference. And I think we were pretty fast friends. So I decided to reach out to him and see if he would do an interview with us. And it's a franchisee that's got just a couple of stores, I think 2,700 now. And uh, his name is Don May. So we're going to interview Don May in episode six. And I would be completely lying if I didn't say I was really, really excited about that. All right, let's talk about expectations. I just got done talking about leadership for the last four days. And one of the big things was expectations. To me, what I see leaders doing is they're either not setting expectations at all and then being upset when people don't meet their expectations because their people don't know what they are, or they're not setting full-fledged expectations. The stuff that we're doing is not that difficult once you know how to do it. But if you think back to your very first day on the job, making a pizza or taking a phone order or deciding which label goes on which one of the 73 boxes we have inside of our stores, that was all pretty mind-blowing. It is. And to not have the expectation set, it fouls everything else up, whether it's, it's how we do a schedule or how we place a food order, how we train that new team member, or even just what that new team member is supposed to do before or after they clock in. And the thing that surprises me also, Drew, is that as I'm talking to these guys in these workshops and all really great people, strong heads on their shoulders, they are doing the best they can to, to create great results. And we talk about when is the best time to set expectations. And unfortunately, not everybody is saying during the interview, you got to start setting expectations so that these folks can let you know whether or not they're going to be a fit on your team and so that they can start to perform at a level that'll give our customers the Domino's Pizza experience that we know they want and that we know will also continue to make us the number one pizza company in the world. Years ago, I had a GM who called me, I want to say it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And she told me that she was horribly sick and wanted me to help her the next day. And I'm like, I don't run shifts. You know that. She'd been a GM for me for maybe a year at that point. She's like, no, no, no. I have driver interviews. Okay, cool. Don't want to reschedule. I get it. I go in and I do the driver interviews. And each interview took about 30 minutes. And at the end of the fourth interview, the AM came in and was like, why are your interviews taking so long? I'm like, well, it's only 30 minutes. It's, it's actually pretty short. Like I could go much longer. I just want to know that they're a really good fit. And the AM's like, I've never seen an interview go more than five minutes. And that's stuck with me now for, gosh, 15 years. How do we interview somebody that quickly? I need to know that in your heart, in your soul, you're a good fit for my store. And the only way I do that is to ask questions that, that get me to a place that I can make that decision. And do you, do you have a car isn't one of them? Yeah, I had a similar situation last month. I had a client that was just overwhelmed with the amount of business they had and they needed team members. So he hired me to just go through his ATS and do phone screens and do interviews via Zoom. And I actually did some interviews while I was in market as well. And the manager said the same exact thing. He came after, over to me after two or three interviews and says, what the heck are you saying to them for so long? And my interviews were taking 25 to 30 minutes tops. 
And I just looked at him and said, what are you saying that's not taking so long? And back to kind of the point of today's episode, I'm laying out the expectations for image and then asking them the question, can I count on you to be an image? And then I'm giving them a realistic job preview and asking them, is that something you're interested in? Because if their answers to those two questions are no, then the interview is done. And, you know, I'm a big proponent right now of trying to teach everybody that's on their journey to becoming a great leader that the most important asset that you have is your time. And you need to protect that with everything that you've got. So if the interview's over, you don't owe that candidate 30 minutes of your time. The only thing you owe that candidate is a realistic and open mind. And once you've decided they're not a candidate or they've decided they're no longer a candidate, then you simply smile at them, say, thank you for your time. And if you'd ever like to order pizza, we're the place to call. And you move on with your day. I'm going to name drop for a second, Sam. Your friend and mine, Buddy Carpenter, uses the fabulous line, if your mama didn't teach you to be nice, I can't either. And it's that same kind of thinking, like, I want to ask questions to see how you deal with stressful situations. When I was doing a project in Salt Lake in the corporate stores, I found a bunch of the GMs that ran great service all wanted to be number one. They might not have been able to tell me what they wanted to be number one in, but they all wanted to be number one in something. And we weren't asking that question at the interview for AMs. If all of our best want to be competitive and, and be number one in something, we should ask our AMs or potential AMs, tell me about a time where you lost. What did you do? That's how we find out who's a good fit on our team, not take everybody in, train some of them most of the way, and then see who falls off. Yeah. And I think with you talking about interviewing AMs, you know, for the listeners, I want to let you know that if I'm interviewing a CSR or a driver, it's about 25 minutes. But if I'm interviewing an AM, it's probably going to be a little bit longer because I'm going to ask them a lot more questions. One's very similar to what Drew just asked. I mean, I really only ask two behavioral-based questions to CSRs and drivers. And the first one is. Tell me about a time you dealt with a customer that wasn't happy. Tell me the situation. What did you do? And what was the outcome? Because I want to know how they deal with customers. And then the second one I ask is tell me about a time you were going to be late for a shift or miss a shift completely. What was the situation? How did you handle it? And what was the outcome? Because those two questions are going to let me know if they're going to be a fit. And, and that's all I really need to know. But when I say that's all I really need to know, I mean, that's probably two more questions than most people are asking right now when they interview. And then they wonder why people don't meet their expectations because they haven't done any kind of screening process during the interview at all. Drew, have you ever heard a manager tell me, listen, I don't really need to ask those questions because I've got a gut feeling within 30 seconds whether or not I want to hire somebody or not? I have. And the only way that ever works is because the person has come in in yesterday's pajamas in a car that only has one wheel and no actual seats. So you're saying that positive gut feeling may be a lie, but that negative gut feeling could have some truth to it. Is that what I hear you saying? Could have some truth to it. When you show up to, inter to your interview 35 minutes late in a car that doesn't run that you pushed into the parking lot, 
I know I'm not going to hire you. So let's get back to today's topic and expectations. And we're talking about interviewing. And I think the key to you getting your expectations met is that during that interview, you set expectations and you set them clearly. And when I say I talk about punctuality, I do a little something in class where I'm trying to get people to say the wrong answer first. And I'll say, let's say I'm interviewing and I'll walk up to somebody. I mean, let's say I walk up to Drew and I say, Drew, if I were to offer you the position, but I count on you being on time. And typically people say yes. And then I'll take a step back and I'll say, was that a clear expectation? And everybody says, yeah, be on time. And the fact of the matter is, that's not a clear expectation at all. If you work for me and you're a delivery driver, four o'clock means locked in, in full uniform, with a bank, with a car top sign, and ready to take a delivery. That's a full-fledged expectation. A lot of you have got people that are coming in when they're scheduled at four, they clock in and they go, I made it. Now I've got to go to the bathroom and get into uniform. And they're not ready to work for 15 minutes. That's not on time. Full-fledged expectations leave nothing to the imagination. If we give full-fledged expectations, then I actually have to hold people to those expectations. And if they don't hit those, I have to have a conversation with them. Now, I know some of you hear this and instantly go to hold them accountable and write them up. No, no. Like showing up on time, as Sam just described, should still receive a high five from me and a good job, even though it's the third day in a row or the 300th day in a row that they've done it. On the flip side, when I'm showing up, I clock in and I still got to go change and I'm, I'm grabbing that slice of dead pizza off the back table, it should still get a conversation because otherwise the setting the expectation has no bearing later. So it's always that second part of it, right? I need the expectation. It's the foundation. And now I got to do something about it that I've laid out those expectations. Man, it sounds like you're slipping into the book review a little bit there with some communication that clicks and some pause on performance. So with that, maybe we should call it a wrap on Let's Talk Training and Expectations and head towards our first fabulous sponsor. Hey there, it's Sam from Fowler Consulting. In today's episode, we're talking all about setting expectations. The best run stores have the very best leaders. At Fowler Consulting, we've created a one-day leadership workshop that'll take you and your team to the next level. You'll learn how to set goals that drive results. Of course, we'll talk about those full-fledged expectations so your team can understand exactly what it is you want out of them. We'll practice communication skills that are designed to keep you and your team on track. This high-energy and engaging workshop travels and we'd love to come to your market. For more information, reach out to Fowler Consulting on the web at fowlerconsult.com or email at sam at fowlerconsulting.net. Pick up the phone and give us a call, 734-358-6295. Leadership training designed to bring the best out of you and your team. And now back to episode five. All right. Well, thanks so much for our sponsors. So lucky to have great sponsors. Now let's get into this episode's book review. Books, books, all the books I'll need, all the books, all the books I'll ever want. Sam, you picked the book this time. Can you tell the listeners what the book and who the author is? It's uh, Squawk by Travis Bradbury. And it is out of print, 
So if you decide on your own that you want to read it, you're going to have to find a used copy like both Drew and I did. There's nothing wrong with a used copy here and there, Sam. So since this was your pick, why don't you tell the listeners why you picked this book? So this was a book that I have referenced in a couple of my presentations in the past. And honestly, I stole those references from a guy I used to work with at the brand, John Kissinger. John was kind of known around the building as the professor. And he read all kinds of books and he always put them in his presentations. And I stole a couple of slides from him that were from this book. And after using those slides for a couple of times, I thought, you know, it might be a good idea to read the book and see exactly what it is you're talking about other than what was on the slides. So I did that and I thought it was worth talking about today on the episode. So Sam, I think I saw some of those same slides because I don't think I'd ever actually read Squawk. There's a chance I might have because some of it seemed familiar. But now that you mentioned John, I very clearly remember those same slides. And I'm just going to get into it and say it. The Seagull Manager flying in and pooping all over everything and then leaving was something Kissinger talked about all the time, whether it's a GM or a supervisor. And as soon as I saw it in the book, I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I remember now. I remember now. So what'd you think of the book? Liked it? Didn't like it? Got something out of it. Tell, tell the listeners anything at all you'd like to tell them about squawk for me. 140 pages. It was a huge aha moment for me. As I teach the Better Than Yesterday system, I teach about prioritization. And one of the one of the slides I do talks about Google and Harvard Business Review and that managers do 85% of, I should rephrase it, managers use their time in three buckets. 85% of the time, they do something that someone else can do. 10% of the time, it, they're doing something that they were told or have to do. 5% of the time is doing something that only they can do. And reading Squawk, I realized I'm talking about this, but I don't specifically tell in class what that 5% is. Now, you want it to be more than 5%. But Sam, in the book, what do you think that 5% should be? Communication is probably that thing, right? It's not making pizzas. It's not opening. It's not closing. It's not even observing. It's It's communication. If you're not talking to your team, how are you actually leading them? You're probably not. You know, that's one of the big differences between today's Domino's Pizza and the Domino's Pizza that you and I grew up with. When we were general managers and assistant managers, we had to do a task. If there was any way for us to run labor, we had to have a task. And I think today with the amount of sales that we're doing, it gives the managers an opportunity to manage. And I think that as you go through the book, Charlie, our hero, through Oscar the Turtle's help, figures it out towards the end exactly what he's doing wrong and his team that's about to mutiny. I mean, they, the, the flock wants to leave Charlie behind. And through his change and through his dedication, he starts to win back the team and he starts to see that these things that are important really are important and they help the team get better and better. I think for me, one of the takeaways is that the leader came to the realization that the flock was failing because of him. And he didn't have to upgrade any talent. He didn't have to find a new flock. What he had to do was take the pieces he had and do a better job leading them. And, you know, in our real world, I think a great example of that is you see a sports team get a new coach and suddenly without any personnel changes, they're starting to win. 
because somebody is leading them and making them believe in themselves. And I just wonder how many teams we've got out there today that the manager is saying, oh, my team isn't fantastic. I need to replace them. Maybe if they took a look in the mirror, they'd find that if they led them better, they'd start getting the results they want much like Charlie did. It is a nice, easy read. And the the stuff actually, it doesn't matter if it's out of print now. It's probably out of print because Travis Bradbury has probably updated it and upgraded it and put it into a different fable in a different book and might be charging more for it. Yeah, because... Because the message is so important. And, and, you know, the message is three things that align with what we're trying to get done in our pizza store so well. And we've given them two. Should we give them all three or should we make them find the book online, Sam? I think they ought to find the book online because we're not going to go into the details. But I think giving them the three is great. And the first one is all about what we're talking about this episode. And that's full-fledged expectations. And in fact, on one of the pages, he's got... You know, much like Who Moved My Cheese with the writings on the wall, he's got kind of the big takeaway from that section. And it said, you have to reveal exactly what needs to be done before you can expect to see it happen. Oh, my gosh, really? I mean, we... We're, we're not giving our team members full-fledged expectations and we're not telling them exactly what needs to be done. And then we're upset or frustrated or surprised that they can't execute. And the second one is communication that clicks. And the same thing that writing on the wall is if you aren't staying in touch, you aren't doing your job. And it's amazing because in, in the fable, he's in his flock all the time and he's not really talking to anyone. He's not really doing anything. I know I've been there myself. I know I've done that with team members accidentally caught me on a bad day, caught me at the bad visit. If you think about it, man, everything we do is about communication and talking with people. Well, and let me ask you this, Drew, do you think it's that they caught you on a bad day or caught you on a bad visit? Or do you think it's because it's just easier and human nature to come in and see what's wrong and spout out what needs to be fixed and assume that they heard it and that they want to do it and then leave. I don't know that being a seagull manager is necessarily a learned thing. I think we're hardwired that way. That's just it. We've been there. We've done that. We know what the answer is. Instead of letting you, Sam, try and figure out a solution, I'm going to tell you what worked for me 17 years ago and tell you why it's going to work for you today, even though it's not your idea. You have no part in it. And I didn't really give you all of it. I'm just giving you the 30 second bit and now go do it because yay. I think we get caught up. I've got a quote in my leadership workshop that I think just speaks volumes to exactly this and why people think being a Seagull manager is okay. And that is the single biggest problem with communication is that we're locked in the illusion that it has happened. So we're stuck in this fog and we're stuck in this illusion that we have communicated. And then I turn it right around and I tell folks the message is not sent until it is received. I think we've read a couple books where that was in there, Sam. What's that third part of the book, Drew? Pause on performance. It's spelled as if it's an animal, but it's really the pause like, like stop. It's about actually how they execute things and being present to give them feedback on how your team is doing it. Because if you set expectations and you're constantly talking to them, now's your chance to actually give them some useful feedback. During pause on performance, what Travis says is the first point, praise work well done. 
And I think what I see great leaders do is they understand the way that most human minds are hardwired, and then they consciously try to rewire their own brain so that they can start to see things that are good. And when I say that, these guys aren't avoiding things that need to be fixed. They're just making sure that they're also praising things that are going well. Isn't that the classic? You walk into a store, you look at a pizza and you go, who made this pizza? And no one wants to claim it because all they ever get is the negative side of it. So if somebody's questioning a pizza, it's because, oh my God, it must be bad. I don't want to claim it. I love that exercise because then I usually have a gift card that I'm like, if you made it, I'll give you this because it's a great pizza. It's spectacular. I want to take it and eat it myself right now. But since no one's claiming it, I guess the customer can have it. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, I use very similar techniques because, well, they work. What always is surprising, and I'm sure your clients say the same thing, is people say, I'm really surprised how they reacted to you or they listened to what you said. And I just say, well, we make sure that we we find good things and we talk about that and we gain a sense of trust with the learners and we gain a sense of camaraderie and we get to a place where when we get to point number two in pause on performance and that's guide errant performances back on track, we've already set a relationship with the person that didn't start with us flying in and crapping all over everything. The important thing here is that it starts with the positive, right? It's that catch them doing something right. All of these leadership books all have that same backbone to them. Talk to your team, praise them when they're doing something right. Make sure they understand what they're supposed to be doing so that you can course correct. It's amazing how every single one of these books is the same thing. It's almost like it works. How many different ways do you need to be told this, this, this right here is the secret to success? Yeah. Well, from the number of books out there, that all seem to say the same things in different ways. It seems we need to be told that a lot, which I think is a lesson in and of itself. If we tell somebody how to prep something once and they don't do it correctly, maybe we need to tell them a different way or a different way. And maybe that's the reason why so many of these books are successful because they're basically saying the same thing, but they say it in different ways. So different people are are finding their communication that clicks. So the other thing, the final point on pause on performance was point number three. And I think this is one that we really struggle with, especially if we are leaders that are at the beginning of our journey. And that's to make sure that your flock has a healthy sense of independence and interdependence. That they're able to do things on their own, but they also understand that it takes a village, it takes a team, it takes the entire flock to be totally successful. So great leaders are making sure that their teams have full-fledged expectations. They're using communication that clicks, and that's helping them get to that point of a healthy sense of independence and interdependence. And then finally... Travis talks about the seagull manager one more time. And he says, it's not really a matter of if we're seagull managers, but we really need to look in the mirror and decide when we're seagull managers and fix that. Self-reflection. That's all these books are. Please understand, this is not us telling you that you are this. This is us asking you, if you look in the mirror, do you see these tendencies? So with that, I think we're at that point, Sam. Is this book in your backpack, on your nightstand, 
collecting dust or holding up the table? Well, this one, for a number of reasons, being short, easy to read, somewhat funny, a great story, things that I truly believe in. For all those reasons, not only is it in my backpack, but we told you earlier that you'd have to go online and find it used. I'm just going to tell you good luck with that because I do that about once a month and I buy every single one I can because I've been using this book in my workshops for about two years now as a prize because I love this book so much. So if you're a listener out there and you go out and you can't find one, drop us a question and maybe you can win a copy. What about you, Drew? Holding up a table, collecting dust on the nightstand, or is this one in your backpack? Well, I would love to say it's in my backpack, but I had to go to you to find the book because I couldn't find the book. It would be in my backpack. What I'm probably actually going to do is check out the fabulous Dr. Bradbury and see what he's done because this is out of print. There's no way it's out of print and just done. There has to be some upgrade to it. So I think what I'm going to do is find that upgrade and then put that in my backpack. Nice. I like it. And that copy that you got from me, that's yours to keep, my friend. That's my gift from me to you. I appreciate that. All right. That that, that wraps up this episode's book review. And uh, now a message from... Uh, another one of our sponsors. Hi, this is Sam. And this is Drew from Drew and Sam Talk Training. Are you a trainer? Do you want to connect better with your learners? Then mark your calendars now. May 10th through May 13th, Drew and Sam will deliver the T3 experience. This workshop will give you the skills, knowledge, and confidence to deliver higher impact training to your teams. At its core, this workshop is a presentation skills must have for any trainer. You'll have the opportunity to stand and deliver three separate times and receive honest, critical, and supportive feedback. Check out the website at FouserConsult.com or email me at Sam at FouserConsulting.net or check out my website at TrainWithBTY.com or email me at Drew at TrainWithBTY.com. The T3 experience designed to bring out your best. And now back to episode five. All right. Welcome back to episode five of Drew and Sam Talk Training. We're going to jump into my newest, favoritist, bestest segment, which is Taken. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills, skills I've acquired over a very long career. All right. So, Drew, uh, as you've been out and about, what have you taken from the stores? Well, Sam, I saw this fabulous poster on a bathroom door. And although the poster was a little blunt. I think I would change it up a little bit. So, so I'm taking it and I'm modifying it just a little bit. Nothing wrong with that at all. Through our food safety training, we know that your cell phone is the most disgusting thing in the store. So this fabulous enterprising GM put a sign on their employee only bathroom, very, very important employee only bathroom. And it was basically leave your phone on my desk. Don't bring it in the bathroom. I think I would change that a little bit, a little picture of a phone, why make something more disgusting than it already is? Leave this on my desk. Now you can use the bathroom. Just from a simple hygiene standpoint, it kind of makes sense. I like that. It's a nice little job aid. Plus, let's be honest here for a second. They're in the bathroom on their phone, on the clock. 
on their phone. Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, so many reasons for that. And, you know, back to kind of the point of today's episode, expectations. Have you set an expectation inside your store for phone usage? Anybody that's done any kind of reading at all about hygiene knows just how dirty phones are. And you'll see folks check their phone and then start making pizzas without washing their hands. And I don't know how else to say it other than that's gross. It is gross. Sam, what's your take in this week? Well, uh, again, much like last episode's taken, I'm taking mine from Jim Groneman. That guy is just a endless, bottomless bucket of great ideas. thing I saw in his walk-in, he's using different colored cover trays so that whoever goes into the walk-in knows exactly which stack to pull in. You know, to circle back to today's main message about expectations makes it much easier to set the expectation of which dough to get if there's a, oh gosh, a process or a system in place to make it easy for everybody to go into the cooler and get the right one. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times I've seen managers say to a driver, go get me a tray of large dough. And the driver, of course, says yes. And then they come out with dough that just came off the truck instead of the dough that is proofed and ready to go. And these colored cover trays just make it so easy for you to make sure that you're getting the right dough and giving the customer the experience they want and deserve that I just don't understand why we're not all doing it. It's it's that good of an idea, I think. I do. I like that. I've seen that in other stores as well. It's useful. So that's my Taken. I just think it was fantastic. Good stuff in the Taken segment again. Better than yesterday, consulting. Do you have opportunities that seem to always be opportunities? Day in and day out, week in and week out. Whether it's supervisors that work long hours, for little tangible results, or leaders who are not motivated to the same goals that you have. At Better Than Yesterday Consulting, we offer solutions to your opportunities. Check out our suite of online supervisor courses, our in-person, in-store classes, or even our on-site consulting. We help and support you through your solutions. For more information, visit trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com. Or call Drew Helmholtz at 734-845-8147. I believe we have a question from our fabulous listeners on Facebook. Is that correct, Sam? Yeah, we do. This one actually came to me via email. It was a great question. And it just so happens that this question, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I think my answer is going to absolutely parallel what we've been talking about in the entire episode. So let me read the question to you and I'll let you address your answer first. Question is, my question is, how do you implement new ideas and standards that weren't followed in the past? I would rather not become a new manager and want to change everything. But from a product quality and customer service perspective, it should change. Should I pull out the standards on my PyNet and start being pickier? I feel as though you might make yourself an ostrich if you do that, but you've definitely got to be giving quality feedback. Thanks so much for your help. What should I do? Well, it's awesome that this question came in just as we talk about being a seagull manager and setting full-fledged expectations, figuring out a way to make communication click, and then having a pause on performance. That said, I'm also the same guy that when I'm teaching class and I talk about the OER, I have a very strong belief that every OER should be 100 because the OER is just a reflection of standards. 
And anything less than 100 means I'm not doing standards. My answer to this question is read the standards, follow the standards, talk with your team and set the expectation and see if they know how to do it. Take that inventory of knowledge, as we said in the last episode, and then find out if it's will versus skill. I bet if you just talk to your team, they'll want to do what's right, especially if it's not your way or Sam's way or Drew's way, but it's the Domino's way. Yeah, I think the Domino's way is always the easiest thing to do. And when you've downloaded those standards from PyNet or you've purchased the big book of standards and you have them there handy, I think it always allows you to make the standards be the heavy and not you. To this listener's question, you know, I think Drew and I agree 100% on what the answer should be. And that is, that you have to follow standards. But to the part where you said, how do I do that without ostracizing my crew? I think the strategy that you could use that might work is a strategy that a franchisee talks to all of his folks about when he's talking about leadership. And he always looks him straight in the eye and he says, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be effective? And how I'm going to tie that into the answer is if you're a store manager that has just taken over a store and they're not following standards or they're not meeting expectations, I would get the crew together and I would start with an apology. And I would say, I owe you all an apology. The leader that you had before, or if it was you and now you're trying to change your own way of leadership, I owe you an apology. And that apology is... I didn't give you full-fledged expectations and I haven't held you accountable to the standards so that our customers can get the very best Domino's pizza experience they deserve and so that you can make more money and make more tips because the experiences are so good. But there's good news and that is that changes today. And we are going to lay down the expectations and I'm going to be the leader that you need me to be so that we can deliver those great Domino's pizza expectations. And from this day forward, you're going to know what the expectations are. And when any of us waver, we're going to pull together with that sense of interdependence and we're going to help each other out to get back to the standards because from this day forward, that's what we do. And I don't think you sugarcoat it. And I don't think you go into it and decide which standards you're going to follow and which standards you're not going to follow. Because when it comes to standards, you can't prioritize them. You have to follow them all if you want to be a great leader. And one of the things I tell all leaders, there's three things you have to understand. It's not easy. It's not fair. And it's not for everyone. If you've chosen that it's for you, then the standards have got to be what you make every decision based around. And when it comes to making great pizzas, it's rim size portion placement bake. And if they're not there, the pizza shouldn't go out. And that doesn't make you a bad person. And that doesn't ostracize you from the crew. That makes you the leader that they need so that they can deliver the customer experience that the customer deserves. Couldn't agree more. And that's such a great question because every time somebody goes into a store and every time you're a new GM in a store, you're only the new GM because the previous GM either left because they didn't want to do this anymore or they got promoted. And, you know, I think you can spend the first day or two doing what Drew talks about in the Better Than Yesterday system, and that's doing some observation so you can see what you're dealing with. I don't think you have to go in there from the first minute and decide to change everything. I think you can go in there and for a day or two or a week or, or, or so and decide who's on the team, who's not on the team, who's doing things right, who's not doing things right. And then you get the team together and you start with that apology. I'm so sorry. Nobody has set expectations, but good news. I'm here now. And these are the expectations and better news. We're going to hold each other accountable 
to these expectations so that our customers get the experience they deserve and you start making the money that you want to make. I don't know, Sam. I kind of think having like Arlie Ermy come in in a fully pressed Domino's uniform with the standards, the big book of standards. It is my birthday in this storm and we're going to follow these standards. Oh. I think that is a great way to make friends and influence people in your brand new store. Observation would be super. Get to know the people, figure out what clicks with them from a communication standpoint. And now that image of Arlie Ermey is, is totally stuck in your head, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. That may be the theatrical definition of a seagull manager. I'm just throwing it out there. So for the uh, listener that sent that question in, be watching your mailbox, got something special coming for you. And for the listeners listening now who would like to get a prize from Drew and Sam Talk Training, send us a question via email. You can hit me up at sam at fouserconsulting.net. You can respond to any one of our Facebook posts, or you could email Drew at drew at betterthanyesterdayconsulting.com. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again The life I love is making music with my friend And I can't wait to get on the road again So Drew, what's coming up on your radar? Well, let's see, Sam. Since I'm not out and about like you are this week, Sam, I've been busy sending out contracts and invoices to folks. So I've got three more Better Than Yesterday systems coming up. Boston at the end of the month, Becca Miller in Commonwealth, Virginia, right after that. And then I'm going to go see Chris Short as well. We're going to do the Better Than Yesterday system and redeploy Learning Hub. Wow, that sounds great. So Chris reached out to you for Learning Hub. He did. Fantastic. That sounds like fun. It seems like we're working with a lot of the same people. It's nice to see that people are getting value out of what we're doing and signing up for more. So Sam, how about you? What's coming up on your radar? Well, I'm going back to see Jim in Indiana. We're going to do a workshop around hiring where you can certainly count on. We'll be talking about setting full-fledged expectations during that interview. The week after that, I'm heading up north to see my good friend, Adam Lambert. And we are going to get his supervisors in a room and we're going to talk about coaching the coach to coach so that they can get their team members making better pizzas, making them a little bit faster and learning some of the great coaching skills that I know you were a part of in the award-winning pizza prep school program. So we're going to share some of those techniques with him. And I'm looking forward to that. I think we've actually covered everything we're supposed to cover on our podcast, according to our fabulous little script that we barely follow. I think that is indeed a wrap on episode five. For the listeners out there, remember, if you're seeking better results, what does it start with, Drew? I believe uh, full-fledged expectations, Sam. Damn skippy. I don't know about you, but I am really looking forward to episode six, where we're going to talk about holding your team accountable to the expectations that they're now setting. And then we've got that little interview that uh, we may have teased a little bit earlier. That's right. Don May will be with us. I think you've chosen another book for us to review, haven't you? I have. It's called The Observer by Todd Stottlemyre. And it's a modern fable on mastering your thoughts and emotions. Nice. I, I am noticing as I look at the book, as I'm getting ready to, to open it up, that it did indeed say a modern fable. And I, I think that may be one of the reasons why you chose it. It could be that. It could also be that Stottlemyre is a fabulous name. Todd Stottlemyre was a uh, professional pitcher and his dad, Mel Stottlemyre, was a 50-year Yankees player and coach. So it pulls at my heartstrings. That's a wrap on episode five. 
Thanks for listening. This was Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am Sam with Fowser Consulting. Go out there and make more. Wow. You know, Drew, um, I don't think we're going to cut that because honestly, is there really anything more embarrassing than screwing up the tagline to the Domino's Pizza Cheer when you've been around the business as long as you and I have? You know, I can honestly say I have never screwed up a cheer. So the fact that this should stay in is absolutely 100% accurate. So go out there and make more pizzas. And have more fun. That's great. You've been listening to episode five. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, make sure you like us on Facebook and go ahead and subscribe. Thanks so much. We'll see you for episode six. Episode six.